Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hey everybody, welcome to Stacy Connects. I'm your host, Stacy Heller. Let's see what we can learn today. If you are a new listener, then uh, here's an intro. This show is about making connections through conversation. It's about asking questions instead of making assumptions, and it's about engaging with the elephant that exists in every single room. So thanks, whether you listen to the show live or you listen to it later uh, via your favorite podcast platform, I so appreciate all my tens of listeners so much. I love when I hear from somebody. Um, I got a text about last week's show from uh, Dr. Maria Elena Lara. She's a friend of mine, and she's awesome. And she was like, it was a really powerful show last week, which I so appreciated because uh, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about mental health. And yet we're going to do it again. Yay. So um, anyway, if you... Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please consider subscribing. And if you're interested in calling into the show and chatting live, the number for that is 425-373-5527. If you don't want to chat with me live, but you have something to say, then feel free to text or call and leave a voicemail at 475, notice the different area code, 475-999-2726. So I have a couple of guests today. One is in studio, and that is Jessica Ross. She is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. She actually has been a guest on the show before. She was on the episode titled Squirrel, which was from November 30th of 2021. And then I have another guest that Eric is currently working on getting her hooked up via Zoom. And her name is Nicole Perino. And she is somebody that I met um, through a friend of mine, my friend's daughter, and I'm excited to get this conversation going. But of course, you know that I need to talk about me first, which, by the way, say hello, Jessica. Hello. Thanks and for having me back. Of course. Are you kidding? I think I could have you every week. I'm, I'm trying to get her to consider having a show because there's just so many people I know out there that are looking for information on these topics. And so, um, so anyway, I, I will definitely in my New Year's goals. There you go. I love that. Okay. Um, okay. So my week, my conversations and observations from the past week. So since last we spoke, Joan, my mother, for those of you that don't know, she fell again. So I think it was less than a year ago. I don't know when she fell exactly. That she fell and she had broken her wrist and she had hurt her head and had a really a big goose egg on her head. She fell again. This time she broke her right arm from the elbow up, which is very impressive indeed. And she fell backwards, I think. And she got ended up getting like five staples in her head. That's just so ouchy. It is so ouchy, and I texted her because in our family, our 
way of communication is sort of jokey because like to actually say the things that you really mean like oh mommy are you okay is hard and so right Mm -hmm. and so instead I was like okay you know this isn't a competition right I fell last time you didn't need to fall again to like one up me stop showing off mom exactly Mm -hmm. so um you know I'm like you're 82 you're probably going to be better at this but the consequences are going to be more dire so um, so anyway, like all good healing vibes and love to mom, uh, Pete, my husband, was in New York last week for work. And so I texted him on Wednesday and I was like, surprise, you're not coming home on Friday when you're supposed to. You're going to go to Philly. And so he took the train down and he actually got to hang with mom and the rest of the glop and meet the ladies and corner group and see the Peyton's longtime friends of my parents and um, basically be my mother's lady-in-waiting. It was, he was amazing. He is amazing. I know he's amazing. But it just further cemented the fact that my mother absolutely has created a sainthood type thing around my husband. I'm like, whatever. It's fine. Um (laughs) But I so appreciate it. And he is finally on a plane as I am speaking to come back home. So I'm very excited to see him. Um, As I mentioned last week, I have been reconfiguring our upstairs playroom, turning it back into like an office space. And I had to have a chuckle that uh, I had taken off the double doors Mostly really because the way the doors opened was into the room. And that's a lot of real estate. When you open double doors into a room, you can't put anything there. Mm -mm. And so I was like, I can't decorate like this. And so took them off. And conveniently, that coincided with the time that my kids were teenagers and that you perhaps don't want doors. doors. (laughs) Right. I just was not prepared to be a grandparent earlier Mm -mm. than I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And no doors helps. And so, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so now that upstairs is becoming an office and a den, I'm like, we got to get doors on this thing. (laughs) I need my privacy. (laughs) I need my privacy. It's so loud and whatever. And, of course, Charlie, who is – he is – Back at school, he's at Seattle U, but he comes home occasionally because he's much closer. He's like, are you kidding me? You're getting doors now? I'm like, yes, I am. He's so mad. He's so mad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that kind of made me chuckle. And sorry, Charlie. I, sorry, Charlie. Like the old ad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of that. And I've been putting my house in order literally and figuratively for this past week. Uh, with being sick and really trying to manage like expectations around the house and around my clients and that kind of thing, I'm trying to follow through on my word about being clear with communication and all of these things. And one thing that is very clear is that uh, I'm not really great <laughs> at organizing everything like I want to, which is why <laughs> Jessica and Nicole being on the show today is really awesome. Um, okay. I'm going to get right to my Staceyism today because I want to make sure we have lots of time to chat. So per my therapist's suggestion, I have been reading, and when I say reading, I'm air quoting because I'm listening to it uh, on Audible, Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Love and it's really good. And really good. honestly, I'm not 
often compelled to write things down that somebody says, uh, you know, I like to steal it as as become my habit with my stasisms. Um, but I find that there are things that I just want to write down verbatim that she says. Like every word that she ever says right. is important, it feels like. so And yeah. relatable. And actually, she has such a strong voice in uh, her presenting that hearing her read it, it's like it just translates it so much better. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that she talked about, uh, and it so resonated with this past five, six weeks that I've had, she talked about how asking help can be hard. We all know that, right? Um, but then she says, here's the thing, though. Not asking doesn't stop us from expecting it. And I was like, so the whole idea that, you know, you don't ask for help, but you're expecting it. And that it's that unspoken, like, well, don't you know I need help? Don't you see that I'm struggling? Don't you see that these things are going on? And the answer is no. People are doing their own thing, and they don't see the inner turmoil, the inner struggle, the, you know, the noise, the narratives that's going on in your head. And so I was like, that I had to, like, keep hitting replay so that I could, like, type it verbatim in my phone. And so um, so just remember that, you know, A, ask for help, and B, know that if you don't ask for help, then you shouldn't expect it. Exactly. That's a really good takeaway because a lot of people associate asking for help with some sort of weakness that they should mm-hmm. be ashamed of. And then there comes in Brene with all of her good work on shame. Totally. And it was just, you know, I'm like, and it's it's so true, like, all of the unspoken things, like, oh, no, I don't need help with the wash. I'll get it in a minute, which is a very passive-aggressive way of being like, hey, if you could take care of that for me, that would be great. And so then when the person takes me at face value and is like, all right, you got it, I'm like, wait, you're not going to do that? Like, do, isn't it clear that I asked you for help? And the answer is, no, it's not clear. And my kids are so much better about this that they're like, say what you mean, mean what you say. I'm like, who raised you? Hmm. I mean, they're like brilliant <laughs> and stupid simultaneously. So anyway, uh, so that is my Stacyism for today. And uh, let's take a break here and we're going to see if uh, Nicole has joined the call. And if not, we're going to figure it out. And then when we come back, we're going to have a conversation about ADHD and bringing it to work. All right. Keep listening to Stacey Connects. We'll be right back. Do you feel like you're stuck in a style rut? If so, take the first step on your journey and go to michaelbruceimageconsulting.com. Fill out their simple personal style assessment and schedule a complimentary no obligation, 20-minute style consultation. Let the experts help you gain some perspective on your style challenges. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture, or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. 
go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. everybody welcome back to stacy connects so i am multitasking here which is a adhd person's kind of nightmare and also like we think we're really good at it we think we're really good at it yeah it's just that we're so quick thinking that the ping-ponging between the two different tasks looks simultaneous like we're doing two things at once but we're doing a little bit of one and a little bit of another right exactly so um anyway so i'm trying to get uh i think Nicole's trying to enter my personal Zoom number and um, and not the um, the show one. And so we're still trying to work that out. So anyway, uh, while we're working that out, one of the things that happened when Nicole and I connected is we were talking about uh, the work that she does and how she has sort of outed herself with her job and fully acknowledges that, hey, I've got ADHD and I've got these things and I want to talk about it so that it improves my work connection with people. And it's it was such an interesting conversation because I'm finding with my own business, I'm doing that more and more where I let people know that, hey, this might look a little different than how other people do it. Um, And you have experienced that, right? I have, actually. So when I first started out in my job as a nurse practitioner, I wasn't telling anyone that I was also in the ADHD club. I thought that there would be a stigma. And then I realized that the way you fight stigma is with awareness. So the very first client I ever told I was ADHD was you. Which you just told me that today, yes. and I am. Um, I think Nicole has joined us. Hooray! I have. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. You? Good. I'm so sorry All about right. that. I'm just glad I'm here. Um, okay, so Jessica is sharing her own experiences of telling. Uh, starting to tell people about the fact that she herself has ADHD. And I learned today before we started recording that I was the first person she ever told. So she was just about to tell that story. Yes. That's wonderful. It was really hilarious. And I remember it vividly because your reaction was so honest. You just said, well, I'll say the savory version. You said, no kidding. When I said, hmm, I think I might have a little ADHD, you looked up from your phone, and you go, no kidding, and then went back down to your phone. And I'm like, cool, cool. So that went well. Um, darn it. My therapist was right after all that if you are vulnerable, people will accept you instead of disown you. And that gave me the momentum to be who I am today, which I try to help my own son, who's eight and in second grade. He started a new school this year. And so instead of saying, this is my son, he has ADHD, I walked in with my arm around him. I said, hey, teacher, we have ADHD in this family, which does two things. Normalizes it for my kid mm-hmm. and makes it so that the teacher isn't mad when I miss an email. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> big time. So, Nicole, I was saying to listeners before you joined that uh, you and I met because of your mom, Chris, 
And yes. so if she's listening, hey, Chris, thanks for the intro. Hey, Mom. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, this is something that has been a real journey for you and a real passion of yours and something that when we spoke on the phone about this uh, a, a couple months ago, something that has been so emotional for you because it's allowed you to become more fully yourself. Absolutely. So I was diagnosed at a very young age. I was diagnosed at the age of 10, which is not common, especially for girls. Um, And I have a long-lived history. And it has been a long journey for me, you know, going through adolescence, not knowing I'm different, but not knowing how to articulate that, not knowing how to fit in. And you take that, you know, into adulthood and the masking that occurs. I work for, I, I have a coach that I work with um, and she has been so instrumental and crucial in my journey to not only accept my neurodiversity, but to embrace it, to love those aspects of me. And then to be bold enough to share it with others. You know, one thing, there's a bit of an epiphany, is that we need voices in the neurodivergent community. We need people who are bold enough and confident enough uh, to share that and to be open about it and to explain how it presents Mm-hmm. but also to show that you can love yourself and that's okay. And that when uh, one of the things, you know, kind of Stacey to touch on your point is that as soon as I started openly sharing, you know, being neurodivergent, what it did is, is it created greater capacity to listen to others? It also created a lot less internal pressure and stress in conversations, I very openly tell my coworkers, even beginning of meetings, if I haven't met you, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. It's not to make you feel defensive. My questions are to show you that I'm listening. I'm understand. I'm trying to better understand what you're saying and that I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. So even being able to do that, that one small thing, has made a huge impact in how I interact, not only professionally, but in any and how I show up in any relationship. You and I talked about this, Nicole. Uh, when you're not spending. Um, you and I had talked. I'm here. We're good. Okay. Um, you and I had talked about on the phone. Um, it it so resonated the asking questions and that I may tell stories that are relating to me and it's not to make it about me it's to to make connections so that i have you know a a place to come from and between you talking about that and jessica and i have talked about that when i've come in and we've had these conversations that's such an important thing to let people know that like hey i'm actually not trying to make it about me all the time it's just that i only have like me and my experiences, and I'm trying to do, like, in school, kids learn about, like, text-to-life connection. Well, it's basically, like, me-to-you connection. 
Exactly. The typical brain doesn't need as much context to understand something as a neurodiverse brain. So we'll ask a million questions, number one, to get that context we need, number two, to help pay attention, like you said, and then number three, to touch on our story, to explain that we're no longer masking. I thought I was masking so good that no one would ever know I had ADHD. (laughs) And then she just blew me away with her completely honest answer of, oh, no kidding. Yeah. So then I was like, well, okay, that didn't work at all. Let's try something else. And so when you explain to people, I need to play solitaire like you do, or I'm going to ask a lot of questions, I just need context, please don't be defensive. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, because the things that don't occur to them are the things that occur to us and vice versa. So when you're talking to a neurotypical person as a neurodivergent person, they don't ask the same kind of questions we do. And then a lot of times we look narcissistic because we're talking about ourselves, but that's because our brain holds all the information we know via connections with our feelings. So if you say a word, it's a keyword on one of the little cards inside my card catalog brain, mm-hmm. or you elicit a feeling that I've had before, I'm going to interrupt you and tell the story about me to prove to you how hard I was listening. Yep. Not only did I listen, I went to the oh. archive and gave you some back. A gift. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like it's meant to be a gift of like, I hear you. I see you. Trade your story for story. That was a that was something, especially, you know, when doing that inner work and that self-reflection, that was a light bulb moment for me. All the conversations and interactions I've had, I realized when people are experiencing me as interrupting or trying to bulldoze or turn it around on me. What I've been able to now explain is I'm trying to relate to you. I'm trying to show you while I may not have the same experience, I may not know exactly what you're going through. I can relate to those types of feelings in this way. And those, it it has made a really big difference in not only my awareness, right? But also the tone in the candor of how conversations go with not only coworkers, but anyone I meet, it mm-hmm. really changes the openness from both parties because going into that conversation, you're being vulnerable in a way that people aren't used to, right? And you're explaining to them, I'm trying to understand you, but let me, under- let me explain to you how that presents in conversations. So, and that's been... Those nuances have been so incredibly helpful in you're not masking, right? You're also masking much less. So you have so much more capacity oh, goodness to goodness. hear people, mm-hmm. so much more capacity to be authentically yourself, to be empathetic, to listen, because you're not spending that energy trying to figure out how best to hide whatever thoughts you have spinning that you want to say, need to say that are at the tip of your tongue that won't stop spinning until you say them. And it's just, it's very freeing. It really is. Well, and I've noticed a shift and Jessica, you can probably speak to this as somebody who's a practitioner that works with folks. Back when this came into my awareness, it was, you know, years and years ago, my niece was diagnosed and 
you know, there was tons of things in the news about like everybody's being diagnosed with ADHD and we're, you know, we're handing out drugs like it's candy and like, you know, like Oprah moment. You get, you know, some Adderall and you get you some get concerta. Right. You get methylphenidate. Exactly. Get mm-hmm. And so, you Not know, sponsored. <laughs> and how we're exactly no no, no affiliation, no affiliation. Right, exactly. you're not being paid by any drug companies no and, not a sponsorship exactly and so you know it was at the time i think a lot of the the language around it was adhd as an excuse yes and now i'm noticing a shift that and i'm leading the charge on this that I don't feel like ADHD is an excuse for anything. However, now when I share that I have ADHD, it's an explanation. Because the interaction that you're going to have with me is going to look and feel different. Because I know it looks and feels different for me. And so how you're going to receive what I do or how I do it, and especially being somebody that has their own business, you know, I'll I'll say to my clients, permission to reach out to me if you haven't heard me and heard from me in a certain period of time because 100% like you're off the radar and so you are more than welcome to go ahead and remind me and I let them know that you know this is the deal so that change from excuse to explanation have you noticed that yes that's probably very close to the exact wording that I use this is an explanation not an excuse I love the um, stand-up comedy by Taylor Tomlinson. Have you ever seen her bits on mental health? She talks about it's like not knowing how to swim, jumping into the deep end and making it everybody else's problem. Right. But so if, one thing. Yeah. I apologize. Sorry no, for jumping in. No, go, go. <laughs> one of the things I've. You, you made a really great point out of sight, out of mind. And I've been able to tie it to something object permanent. Yes. If it is not in front of me, if it's not at the forethought, it does not exist. And even now, you know, as an adult with a long lived history, that is still something I struggle with. And I know this and I'm open about it. And I think there's something that's very important and acknowledging just because, you know, we are open about it doesn't mean we don't still struggle with it. And I think there's a braveness in showing that to others too. I think that's so important. You know, it's not an excuse at all, but this is how it presents for understanding and awareness. So how you, you know, experience me in conversations or me explaining how I experience, you know, a, a new coworker or outside party well and a friend i mean i've had to say to uh friends hey you know not to be that person but you're gonna have to reach out to me because it's not that i'm not interested in getting together and having a happy hour or having lunch or going for a walk i am probably free and available and i am definitely interested however unless you are on my very written all over planner and to-do list for today, you are you have fallen off my awareness because it's like we have no peripheral vision. We do for like experiencing things. Like I can tell you what the weather's like. I can tell you if there's somebody at the side studio. I can tell you all of these things. However, with people and relationships, that falls by the wayside. And I learned about that from 
my daughter, Grace, who learned about that from Jessica because she was like, I'm struggling with relationships. Yes. And the reason is exactly what you just talked about, object permanence. We have it with our physical objects, which is why our houses have everything on display. Tidiness is just a preference. (laughs) (laughs) Not a moral failing. Thank you, Casey Davis. (laughs) That's a whole nother show. It's a very unique organization system. It it is. It is. Exactly. Got to see it. But then we also have emotional object permanence issues, which means I don't know how we're doing unless you're telling me in our relationship. So I will not reach out to you because I'm going to assume that you thought I was as awkward as I thought I was awkward during our last conversation and you don't want to get together. (laughs) So I'm not going to reach out. There's that anxiety Mm -hmm. associated with social interactions and it's something I know is there. It's going to happen. Or if I don't reach out, I have another very good friend who's also neurodiverse. And her and I have discussed this at length that I might go weeks without saying anything. It's not because I don't care. It's not because I'm ignoring you. It is simply a matter of out of sight, out of mind, and not in a negative way, but in a objective, pragmatic, in the true sense of it. Exactly. And and it's not, uh, and that's very hard to explain to people, especially those that love you. And I mean, that's a rub that's constantly working on, right? Um, but the nice thing is those that know that you've explained and been open with, they understand. And that's the biggest part is being brave enough to communicate that. That's hard. You know, we, we get that pair. I experience that paralyzation where, oh no, I haven't reached out or read this text in two weeks. So therefore my anxiety is going to build because I should have, or I'm not even going to open all the rest of my texts because of it. It's this snowball effect that occurs. And I'm not sure if that's something that either of you. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No, all totally normal behaviors. Um, If you are one of the very many types of neurodivergencies and it's common to have a few, um, but between the social anxiety of not being able to meet the societal um, expectations of a, you know, easy to socialize with person is there social anxiety about maybe you were teased in the past? Is there? And then also there's some executive functioning tasks going on, right? So the executive dysfunction gets worse as the emotions get more intense. So when you start spiraling in your brain that all of these bad things are happening, you can't get past that barrier to do the thing you wanted to, which was talk to someone you love. Well, I call it that that um that quicksand feeling where mm-hmm. once you step in it it's very hard to break those intrusive thoughts in that cycle mm-hmm. and uh yeah very much to that point my, both my boys are i'm so i am add and i am asd which i found as an adult and my boys are as well. So 
it's been so important that they see their mom being open about it because kind of back to your point about being teased, right? Uh, I struggled socially growing up. I still struggle to maintain relationships due to processing information differently, experiencing emotions more strongly or differently. And like you said, that executive function, we might hear part of something, realize something was said. It's not that we're paying it, not paying attention, but the actual processing is delayed. It doesn't occur. And oftentimes people can mistake that as inattentiveness or not listening or caring. So yeah, that's, that's definitely part of that whole experience that you, you know, you were explaining. And then there's like the other aspects of like, when we are trying to understand another person in psychology, we talk about when you can put someone in their context, you can understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Then you can hold their viewpoint and yours at the same time in your brain. We are trying to give the world context by being vulnerable and spreading awareness instead of letting the stigma take over so that people can put us in our context and not be like, oh, that girl's super awkward. No, actually, I'm just a little neurospicy. I love that terminology. I love that internet. term. I haven't yeah. heard that. That is amazing. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to adopt it. Oh my gosh. You know, that's a, that's, I, like I that. love that so much. So one of the things that was important to me uh, especially working at a mental fitness and coaching company was ex- the... Which, by the go- way, are you going to share the name? Yes. I actually work for a wonderful company called Better Up. Uh, I have amazing communication coach and my primary coach that I work with that I adore. And I am so fortunate to be a neurodivergent that works at a company that is so focused and prioritizes that understanding. Um, For me, you know, my why, and that's the thing, kind of if I can go back, circle back to the point you made about conversations with others, for me to fully grasp a concept or what they're trying to say, all my questions are leading to why. So for me to understand something, for me to contextualize it and to really fully understand the use case or what the needs are or their experience, I have to understand the why of things. And that's just how I process. And I explain that too, but that's oftentimes hard for people because sometimes they don't know their the why. So, right. Because I was told so. (laughs) Because it's the next step in the process or because that's how we've always done it. That's the biggest one. Oh, yeah. So a big part of what I do actually um, is legal ops and I do contracts. I negotiate contracts for a living and uh, legal ops. Um, So process workflows improvements, which for us NeuroSpicy, we love our details. We love processes. And the reason why I started sharing is because I have a longer lived history than many. And I've been seeing on professional platforms these, you know, 
specialists or subject matter experts or um, doctor psychologists talking about the neurodiversion experience. But what I didn't see was neurodivergence sharing their experience. And I realized my the reason why I share, it isn't for me. It's not at all for me. It is so others feel that it's okay. You can embrace it. You have some amazing superpowers, your attention to detail, your focusing, and others need to, especially lead diagnosis. It is so important to have a voice in our community that can explain their lived experience, how things show up. Because often late diagnosis, they don't know what they don't know. They know something's different, but they don't know how to articulate the ways that it presents and shows up. And it's important to see someone that loves and is open about themselves to remove that stigma. The only people that are going to be able to remove the stigma are other neurodivergence. It's not going to be professionals in that space, you know, that don't have it. And that was, that's my why is to help embolden others to feel brave and to start accepting who they are because that self-love once you do is, is like nothing you ever experience that kind of freedom, like being able to remove that mask. It's it's amazing. It's It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's something that I'm like, I have been talking over the past few weeks and I spoke last week about the mental slapdown that I had and having to literally stop, not even slow down, but stop. Uh, it made me aware of how important it was to let people in and be vulnerable and say, hey, this is what's going on with my physical health. This is how it's impacting my mental health. And this is what's happening because of my neurodivergence. I have a lot of narratives that are spinning. And so to free myself of that, I need to tell you all of these things. And if you still want to work with me, great. And the response overwhelmingly is like, we'll wait. We love you. Like, we love what you do. That info dump is sometimes so important to be able to, those thoughts that spin. I kind of, I, I've explained it to people as the uh, globe of death, where you see all the motorcycles spinning at one time simultaneously. Oh, yeah. And I say those, mo- right. And I say those motorcycles are my individual thoughts that are spinning. There could be three, there could be six at any one given moment. And that might be what's spinning in my head when I'm trying to pay attention. So if I don't dump those or say them, kind of Stacey, like you were saying, if I don't get all of this out, then you don't have the space and the capacity to do those things or to listen or to, you know, complete those tasks. Because what's going on is that spinning narrative in your head that just then builds. So true. All right. Let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to keep talking about this because... This is my, these are my people. Uh, keep <laughs> listening to Stacy Connects. We are talking with Jessica and Nicole about being NeuroSpice Girls. What? That's the title <laughs> of the show this week. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Do you feel challenged by the thought of getting ready every day? Want to make a great first impression, but don't feel your wardrobe represents who you really are? Does the thought of trying to find great clothing that fits your body and lifestyle have you overwhelmed? Michael Bruce Image Consulting is a premier image consulting company that can help you get your style back on track. Contact them at michaelbruceimageconsulting.com or call them at 425-214-4155 and start that conversation today. Stacy Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. Okay, right as we were going out to break, and I mentioned that I'm going to totally name this episode Neural Spice Girls, Jessica was <laughs> like, that makes you ginger spice. Because, yes, I'm a ginger. So I love that, and it makes me very happy. Excellent. So uh, you can be smarty spice. Thank you. I and, love that. I mean, I'm just, anyway. Yeah. Um, so where we've been going, Nicole shared that uh, working with BetterUp, she has been really able to share and has been encouraged to share, uh, you know, who she is and what makes her tick and that that has been an environment that's worked really well for her. Jessica shared that I was the first person that she told that she came out to. Mm-hmm. Uh did you immediately then start coming out to other people about your ADHD? Or? I did because you were so cool about it. So you didn't make it a big deal. You were just like, duh. And then I had a crisis about how I wasn't masking as well as I thought. But that's another story. <laughs> and then I was like, OK, that wasn't too bad. So, you know, back to Mama Brene. She always says only share your story with people who are safe. So I started telling other safe clients, hey, you know how you say I'm in your head when I ask my questions? They're actually my experiences, not questions I found somewhere. I'm using my own life to help bring out the details of yours to understand what you're going through and be a better provider, which is weird because as a provider, you're taught not to share. And I mean, I I get it, I guess, except that when you told me, it was like, all right, She's either spent time on the East Coast because she talks 100 miles an hour and like and I could just follow you and you pinging all over the place and you covered everything that needed to be done and you spoke intelligently and concisely about it, but at 100 miles an hour. And I was like, yeah, I'm following this little ball all over the place. And it it actually made me feel better that you knew what I was going through, what the kids have gone through, how to articulate it to other people. It It's nice when your practitioner, like, knows more. It's one of the reasons why I go, I used to go to a uh, male OBGYN, because a woman was always like, yeah, I have one of those, like, no big deal. And I was like, 
okay, that's not what I need to hear. I need like, even though it's a doctor, I need the male doctor to be like, I don't have those parts. So like, maybe. And I appreciated that because it was more like open to it. And so it's a little bit opposite, but there's just this like, yeah, okay, I get it. And sharing it in a positive way, not a dismissive way. Mm -hmm. See, I'm kind of the opposite with my providers. I like that quote from friends. I think it was Rachel who said, no uterus, no opinion. She wouldn't go to a male doctor for that. So um, that's kind of how I always played it. Like, if you can't understand how horrible period cramps are, you're not going to help me. And then I kind of realized, like, I started going to therapy when I was pregnant because I was anxious about having a kid. And then we were talking about, like, everything I was anxious about. And one of them was this, I couldn't handle the dichotomy of having ADHD and being an expert at first. I was like, I can't have the thing I'm trying to treat. Mm. And therapist was like, why not? And I was like, I'm the hair club president and a member. And, which is another really old joke, and I'm totally dating myself nope, this episode. I know, I, I, I'm on it. Yep. But we I'm all there. get it. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was um, terrifying, but the more people I told, the more acceptance I got. There has been zero negative mm-hmm. for me yeah. in sharing with my clients, but I think I'm selectively sharing with very safe clients. Yep. So I think that there's, we have to know how to pace ourselves. Right. Uh, my official public coming out was a LinkedIn post <gasps> I made. I wow. did. I did. That's so brave. I felt really compelled to share. And I made a LinkedIn post sharing my neurodiversity. That was scary. But you know what? The benefits from that, I had so many people reach out to me saying, thank you for sharing. I also am. And this you're the first person I've openly shared with. I've experienced that a few times. That's my why. Coming out publicly on LinkedIn is a very scary thing when, you know, in a large audience, you know, corporate legal, tech. Sure. And, but I am so glad I did. Even when I interview candidates. I, t- I share, I tell them, I think it's important, you know, to remove that stigma. But man, is it scary. Those first moments. Oh, right after you hit openly- send. Oh, Lord, I stepped away. I stepped away. I couldn't, I could not look. Didn't exist, right? Out of sight, out of mind. There you go. Didn't exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and yet, here you are working for a company where you're now like, so you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk. And and I agree that being able to speak about it. I mean, Nicole, you were diagnosed, as you say, which is very rare uh, for somebody, especially at the time. I mean, you're mm-hmm. younger than I am, but still um, to be diagnosed. 94, they didn't test. They did not test girls. Yeah. I mean. So, I mean, to be diagnosed at that time, especially as a girl. I was a late in life person because I realized that our daughter was going through some things. And I was like, oh, like not to make this about me, but like (laughs) I'm so relating to this. But is it because of the way I asked the questions because I was using my own experiences? uh, Yeah. I mean, it it really 
It is those anecdotal, like personal experiences that you can generalize. They, they are key. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's been, it's been huge. And as a result, so many of my adult friends are much more open and much more interested in learning about what are some of the coping mechanisms that, A, how do I learn more about this to see if I genuinely am? Because, I mean, frankly, in a world where everything that we input lasts for about 15 seconds, like, how can we not all be a little bit ADHD, right? Um, and But there are people out there that they really struggle, and they're like, wait, the quality of my work, my relationships, and my mental and physical health could improve if I learned some strategies and and some other ways of dealing with this? What? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the thing. What, even once you know them, it's continuous work. It's not just an aha moment and suddenly all those relationships are better. My you know, communication's all improved. It is still a continuous journey. And that's, you know, the thing that I tell people. It's also not a one size fits all. It doesn't present for everyone in the same way that I share. And I'm very specific saying, this is how it impacts me. It doesn't, you know, might not be the same for you. Because, you know, one thing is that a misconception is one person, two people, three people group can be ADD, ADHD, but it presents in different ways. They experience it in different ways. It's not one size fits all. And that's, you know, one of the things too, that's important to know, you know, especially for people late diagnosis when they're learning about how it presents. Well, and that's one of the things, Jessica, that you've said that you really enjoy working with people that are late diagnosis and Mm -hmm. introducing themselves, them to themselves in a way. Yes, exactly. Because I too am a late diagnosis, not until halfway through my second grad degree, when I was stu- oh my literally studying the subject, my teacher was like, oh, my God, please go get diagnosed. Please get on meds. And I was like, who, me? I, but I like school. Um, this is fine. And so that was such a relief to know that, like, I wasn't alone in these weird private struggles I'd always been having mm-hmm. and that other people were like me and that it didn't have to be so hard. And then it was like, OK, cool. Now I like to call the medication glasses for your brain. And so now that I have my glasses, how do I figure out how to manage the condition? And that's where like the coaching or therapy or your med provider, whoever you talk to about the condition Mm -hmm. can give you all of the little tips and tricks that they've heard from other clients or picked up in their own research as they go along. And to Nicole's point, you know, it's not one size fits all. And and yet the... um, it's kind of like how cancer can mastitize and move through the body in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the mental health uh, impact that can be adjacent to ADHD. Oh, there's goodness. So many the comorbidous. Mis- yeah. yeah. And then there's so many people misdiagnoses. People don't talk about it. Yeah. People right. get I mean, diagnosed. Between the anxiety depression. and like wow. yeah. some people OCD and the depression and like all of these things that can... And how differently it presents in the genders messes up the questioning, which is a big thing I like to talk about because um, there was a joke the other day. Someone told me where someone was talking about like, oh, do you have sensory issues? Of course not, is what they tell their doctor. But in their head, they go, because I have a system to put on the socks. 
okay, well, you're not supposed to have a system. So what we need to ask is not, do you have sensory issues? But do you have any systems for putting on your socks? Right. Are you particular about the order of anything, how something feels? Even for me, you know, there's times where my anxiety is better than others. It's, it is fluid. It is not a, okay, it hits and then it can go away. No, these things and the way it presents can be stronger or more pronounced depending on stress, depending on all these other things. Yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's so many nuances that go into, and learning that about yourself too, that self-discovery. Oh yeah. It's a journey, man. It is a journey. It is a huge journey, and we only have a few minutes uh, left. So, like, this is why I'm convinced that you guys need to, like, there needs to be a, sh- I mean, I know they're out there. There's a ton of podcasts about this kind of stuff, but not with my people. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, guys, um, you know, the layers to peel back and that you can continue to learn. One of the things I want to make sure that, Jessica, you say, because last time you were on the show, you said it to me after we finished the show, and it's so stuck with me and I want you to share it again about the negative self-talk that people mm. with people with mm. ADHD have versus even other mental health concerns. Yes. Mm. Interestingly, in my clinical experience, I have noticed that people with ADHD have more negative self-talk directed at themselves and it's more cruel than any other diagnosis. Schizophrenics are nicer to themselves than we are. And I think it's because there's one of my favorite facts I got from Attitude magazine is that neurodivergent children receive 12,000 more negative comments before age 12 than their neurotypical peers. That's your developmental years, 0 to 14, where you are taking in everything and internalizing it to be your inner voice, your teachers, your parents, your babysitters, your coaches. So... Back in our day, because I think I'm a lot older than you, too, um, our coaches would yell at us. Our teachers would yeah, yell at right. us. Sit still. Yeah. Yep. Stop fidgeting. I, uh-huh. Yes. Ugh. I Especially being diagnosed young. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 94, I was 10. And the, why, the negative feedback. Sure. Instead of the encouragement, a lot of times it's, why aren't you doing this? You're failing at this. You're falling short in this. Why can't you do this? Why aren't you? It's simple. It's easy. It's not. No, right? those are the 12,000 comments. And the self-esteem. Right. Turning in your homework re- is not oh, as gosh. easy as no. you think it is, listeners. So mm-hmm. if you are neurotypical, then just understand that... It is an extra step nobody told us. People said do your homework. They didn't add the extra step. Turn it it in. Pack it (laughs) the night before. Right. So we're okay. We're like pretty much out of time here. So I want to give you both an opportunity to, if people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about what you do and learning more, uh, in your case, Nicole, about Better Up, I want you to each have an opportunity. So Jessica, why don't you start? So I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I am currently working for Life Stance Health. Um, that's lifestance.com. And I work with children, adolescents, and adults. Awesome. So people can go to the website and they can connect with you. Mm-hmm. And then Nicole? I, I work. I am a legal contracts manager at BetterUp. Uh, probably the best way to connect with me would be finding me on LinkedIn, Nicole Pereno. Reach out if you need an ear, 
if you need a professional, you know, if you need uh, validation, boxes, yes, yes. Just, you know, if you're new, reach yep. out. I am happy to talk. And your or, last name is spelled P A R R E N O. That is correct. Yes. Okay. So you can find her on LinkedIn. Um, guys, I could keep talking to you forever. However, <laughs> I can't keep talking to you forever because I, I, I'm not allowed. That's not how we've always done it. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for being. Sense of time. Right? Exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for being my guest today. I love chatting with you. Next week, I have Christy Keating, who is a parenting coach, and she's going to talk about this virtual conference called the Safe Parenting Summit that's going to be coming up in February. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. Stay connected.